You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Our guest today is Petalyn Albert. Now, Petalyn is a good friend of ours. You could say she's part of our tribe. She's also a certified divorce coach, among many other things. And she's a very compassionate and deep thinker, and we like to get into it with her. This episode, we're talking about shame and forgiveness, um, and also warrior women. So let's dive in. Good evening, Satch. Good evening, Carlos. And good evening, Petalin. Hi. Hey. Good evening. Welcome back, Petalin. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. It's so fun to be here. It's cool to have you. So, Petalin and I had a, a wonderfully exciting lunch, wouldn't you say? It was. We had a lively discussion about things, and the subject of forgiveness and also the subject of shame came up. We were delving into the origins of these things, and so why don't we just dive into that? So what is it that has struck your curiosity and your interest about these things? Well, since I was a little girl, I have been trying to find that million-dollar question. What is it that we really, as human beings, have trouble with? I keep thinking that if we get deeper and deeper and deeper, we'll simplify and finally get to the one thing, Mm. (laughs) you know, um, unified field theory. <laughs> you know, that's right. And so it's it's a conversation I've had all my life. Um, and once I got back from New Zealand, well, in New Zealand, I dealt with um, an issue that I had shame around, mm. that I had no idea I still had shame around. And it got me thinking how... In our culture today, now this, I have to preface this, this is my experience, my take on things. I am not a psychologist, I am not a doctor of research, I am not anything. I am ground zero, like every other human being, um, reflecting on life as I'm experiencing it, seeing it, and as it's coming to me. So it got me thinking when I got back how many of us and how often the topic or the issue of shame comes up dressed up as other things. Mm. So we never actually recognize um, the shame factor. Like what? That's a, that's very interesting what you're putting out there. Well, so many people that I talk to in my work and in you know all the different tribes that I'm a part of, they're very high achieving. And yet they're coming to me because they're working something out. Something's holding them back. They have feelings of inadequacy. And yet they all resist admitting that. Hmm. While they're sitting in the seat in front of me, coming to me for some sort of assistance or support. And I identify so much with what they're saying. I don't want to admit that I have shame around anything. I figured, you know, I dealt with all my shame issues as a kid. You know, I dealt with all of that. I've had a lot of work. I've done a lot of work. You know, um, my facelift is just perfectly fine. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've, I've wiped the shame off my face. Yeah. Peter Lynn, do you, do you think that that's maybe, or what are your thoughts on this idea that it's because shame is so often associated with hiding? It's like secrets and hiding, and it's supposed and to not, not be shown. And guilt, exactly. Exactly. 
Um, it seems like the worst possible thing that you can feel. And if you feel that, then there must be something really bad that you're hiding. Yeah, and God you forbid know? if anybody finds out. And God forbid anybody yeah. finds out. So we don't want to associate with shame. We much rather, as we were saying earlier, we much rather um, say that I, um, I'm a workaholic. You know, um, I'm a high achiever, so I have a high stress level in my life. It's sort of saying I have issues, but these are issues that we actually have, that I'm really actually proud of because they help separate me from everyone else. So you know, they, the, they're kind of putting up a smoke screen when they come to you in a way. They're, which you have to kind of get through in, in order to even help. Well, you do have to get through it. And they're not doing it deliberately. They're really sincerely trying to figure out what the issue is, but they don't realize that, that the story they're telling themselves mm. is a thing that's getting in the way. It's a compulsive behavior. They're not doing it on purpose. It's just sort of their default. Right, right. I'm having these issues. I don't understand why I have other issues. Yeah. You know, why am I, what, what's going on? And it seems to me that um, the original issue, the original negative feeling that we have, the original one, is shame. Mm. And from there, all things come. We were having this like, conversation earlier, and I, t I tried to take it back to the book of Genesis, uh -huh. right? Now, um, I'm fascinated. because I, I've never read the Bible from cover to cover. I've tried, you know, it's just not my thing, right? But I suddenly, in this t with this topic of shame, it's suddenly, suddenly, like I, like somebody, an angel, whatever, said to me, you know, was that the first emotion spoken of in the Bible? Hmm. And um, and so I suddenly got very interested in the Bible, and I went back to the Book of Genesis, and I'm like, holy moly, yeah, hmm. it's the very first emotion spoken of in the Bible. Wow. When Adam and when God, when after they ate the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Um, Adam and Eve went into hiding, and God, you know, uh, was looking for them one day, couldn't find them, and looked everywhere, called to them, and um, finally Adam and Eve came forth, and God said, well, where were you? What were you doing? And they said, well, we were hiding. Cause, and they said, God said, well, why? And Adam and Eve goes, well, because we were naked. And God said, who the F said you were naked? What's that concept about? You know, um, he literally and said, who he the said, F? who the F yeah, said did. you were naked. It was just yeah. like, what, what dropped that into God's the space? God's a gangster. That's why he's a G. God's totally gangster. Right? Man. Mm -hmm. What up, G? <laughs> and um, that, that's just how I read, you know, just the personality I imbued into the whole thing, right? It's <laughs> <That laughs> like, who the hell told, told you, you you were naked? <laughs> that's not a concept I taught you, you know? This is and, right. I'm picturing Morgan Freeman saying yeah. all this. Yeah. That's, right. that's what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, with his hat, his cap turned backwards. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, he turned his cap backwards to sagging, say that, you know, with the pants sagging. You know, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, and then of course they hid themselves in shame, you know, and and then they were banished, and and it and it my mind sort of went from there to well, what happens after that? You're banished. There, if, if, you know, you're, if there's a parent and there's children and they've done something wrong, but they don't want to admit necessarily that they've done anything wrong, they're banished anyway, so there's not a whole lot of recourse. They are set on a journey to go and work it out themselves, right? Um, what do we as humans, what are we doing these days, you know, in... in, in in a similar behavior, we'll, we'll keep moving forward, we'll justify, we'll, we'll continue to seek more knowledge, which we're doing, technology, we, we all kinds of things. We certainly hide our nakedness. Things. I mean, not just we, physically, but yes. 
emotionally, mentally too. Right. You know? And um, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where we no longer even <clears throat> acknowledge our shame, whatever the original shame is in our lives. Mm-hmm. We've dressed that up too. Yeah, know? that's probably the most, like when you think of a buried emotion of some kind, it's usually shame. Right. Not that there aren't other buried mis- emotions, but it, a lot of times, very often, it's a shameful thing that you don't want to admit. Right. And often it's shame that is... The kind of shame that other people would say, that's not your fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you didn't totally. do that to yourself. That That's not something that you would even need to feel shame for. And yet, what you're saying, it's true. We yeah. do. I think that we inherit a lot of shame, too. You know, there's inherited yeah, let's, shame. Let's get into that, too. Because um, this whole idea of inheriting, I think, I mean, not just genetically, but like, the way we model the people around us, especially as as children, and we're figuring out how the universe works and and we're so highly impressionable um that too that kind of absorbing you know psychologically inheriting there's almost an expectation sometimes with uh family members you know you're just like your grandfather you're just Mm -hmm. like and whatever it is that they're seeing when they say that that becomes yet another powerful suggestion to the person hearing it so that person has negative traits it would be easy for the for the mind to kind of just sort of gravitate to all of it without a, a filter in, in some respects, you know, at least at some stages. Yeah, we can be hit by the shame, uh, the shame ray in a number of ways. Yeah, the shame ray. <laughs> shame ray. <laughs> choo, choo. Not quite sure what color yeah. that one is, but. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, it's a crappy color. It's <laughs> red. It's red. Because it makes you blush. Yeah. Uh, so. Okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so I've been noodling on that for uh, quite a while now, and and i've also been noodling on forgiveness because i'm not satisfied with the way i've heard forgiveness explained mm. by just about everyone it just feels like there's a huge leap between feeling yeah, unforgiving what is that that if you don't mind me asking like what what are, what's most people's opinion like idea of forgiveness let's maybe talk about that for a second cause well what do you what's what's your definition of it well, my own definition, or, or the what I think the what you culture, what do you think? Let's start. Let's idea. start with what you think others say. Um, my impression is that most people think uh, that forgiving is something that you do more or less in your head, and it's almost like you're giving that person a pass, mm. but it doesn't really address the feelings inside of of having been slighted or wounded or <clears throat> being upset and angry or violated, whatever. My definition of forgiveness is evolving, but currently it's this idea of canceling the feeling inside of the wound and reaching a place of dissolving that energy and freeing up that space so that whatever it is that is me inside can expand and fill that space. For me, forgiveness has always been sort of, I guess, uh, a new agreement about the future that we make in a particular present, right? So so it's kind of like, okay, I feel wronged, hurt Mm -hmm. something, perhaps from something that somebody did uh, in the past. And then forgiveness is about us making an agreement about how the future is going to be different, Mm. right? So that we can have a future. You know, um, and uh, 
Um, so to me, forgiveness is um, uh, somewhat contractual. Right? <laughs> it's something of a contract, right? But if I were to sort of investigate my inner emotional side of forgiveness, I think that um, <clears throat> forgiveness is reconciling the pain of a wound. So um, if I have a physical injury or something, you know, sometimes um, we have pain and you and I did a whole episode on pain, yeah. right? Pain versus suffering. And I think that's relevant to this conversation because when a person is experiencing the emotional pain of feeling wronged about something, um, the pain of that may get better or the pain of that may persist, right? But when, when a person changes their own relationship to the pain, then that could be forgiveness, right? So, um, so let's say um, Pilan called me a big fat ninny and that hurt my feelings. And I said, hey, that hurt my feelings. And she says, I'm sorry. I was just joking, but I see that that hurt you. And so I say, hey, no problem. Forget about it, right? Now, the forget about it is a forgiveness and we're looking towards a new future. She's armed with this new information that I'm super sensitive to being called a big fat ninny. And uh, we can proceed, right? And then I've changed my relationship to the pain, even though it may still hurt, right? So, because um, that's why I think sometimes you wake up one day and you realize that I must have forgiven that person somewhere along the line because I feel differently about it. And then at other times, um, you actually have to make a conscious choice, even with that person in their presence, you know? So, um, to me, it's very much, like I said, it's a future contract between the the to the, between me and that person and it's um a reorganization of my own reaction to my own pain that i felt from it satch you you said earlier about a contract yes is this a contract between you and that other person or is it a contract between you and the experience of the pain or what did you mean uh, when you said there's both. a contract yeah okay, both so I, I think between me and the other person um we've made a contract <laughs> that you know we agree that um, we could have a better future, right? Mm. Um, hey, I'm sorry. I'm not going to treat you that way anymore, right? Let's have a better future where I don't treat you that way. You know what I mean? And in some mm. ways, that's, that's what I mean. Got it. Um, but then I've also made a contract with myself, right? Hey, I'm going to approach the discomfort I feel about what happened inside myself differently. Now, if that person burns me, let's say again, then I can go, Hey, they burned me. They broke the contract. But I've already reconciled how I feel about the situation. So I forgave them. It's done. They, they, you know, somebody harmed me somehow again. Then, okay, then, you know, now cognitively, I can move in a different direction for that person. But I don't feel any more, um, I don't feel like a sucker anymore. Because I'm like, mm -hmm. hey, I held up my side of the bargain. Mm -hmm. The part with myself, you know, so... Yeah, I would say it's both. So you have managed feeling like a sucker. You've removed the the risk of feeling like a sucker, which, if I'm assuming, might create a shame factor for you if you felt like a sucker. Sure. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, the shame would be around um, uh, maybe like if I felt like a sucker, then maybe that is me saying that, hey, you should be smarter. Right. You should be more savvy with people. You know, mm. you know, your dad told you not to just trust everybody who comes around the corner. You know what I mean? And then you start, right. start, you know, inner mother superior starts yeah. to wag her finger. Yeah. What I love about what you said is that in that contract with the other person, you're actually 
um, foregoing the need to shame them for what they have done. Yeah. Or feel shame yourself because you're taking care of that in a contractual way within yourself. Yeah. So you're completely exactly. displacing that, taking that out of the equation, which is which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think where that comes from for me is um, if okay, let, let's say Carlos, who's a smart, intelligent, emotionally balanced human being, were to suddenly Gosh, call me a big fat ninny, right, and it hurt my feelings, right. Coming from Carlos, who's intelligent and, you know, should know better, right? <laughs> Versus coming from somebody with an intellectual disability, you know, who's mentally impaired. Me. So, oh, okay, okay. Versus I get it. coming right. from me. Okay. All right, all right. Um, you know, I, I, like to, I like to think of, uh, I often, throughout, many times throughout my life, I've had the image of um, if I was with a person who maybe had um, Down syndrome and that person got very frustrated and upset and threw a punch at me. I have an understanding automatically that this person is dealing with limited tools, limited emotional tools inside. So the punch that they throw at me does not have even close to the same impact as somebody who shouldn't be throwing a punch at me, right? So I'm like, hey, it's all right. This yeah. I understand this person. You know, So it's really never about the thing that the person did. It's about the intent. Yeah, yeah. so you're bringing to mind the idea of compassion right now. We have compassion for you know, this person who is special needs, right? Because of what, uh, you know, a, we've made the decision to have compassion for that person. Our model of the world allows for us to have that compassion for this uh, individual. It's as though, you know, we're, you know, making assumptions that, w that we know their model of the world or that we know in a sense what they've gone through. We know a little bit about them. We, we've humanized them, I guess, to use another word, and we've, we choose to be understanding, not just empathetic, but we choose to look at this bigger picture, this you know, compassionate bigger picture. And so we have uh, a lot more patience for those kinds of situations. But the real question comes in, um, like maybe more addressing like what you're talking about, Pelin, is we kind of need to do this with everybody. Or it seems like it would be the best if we could do this with a lot more right. people. And not just those situations, but what about the guy, you know, who doesn't seem like he's got Down syndrome or other problems and, and maybe cuts you off or um, cuts in line or yells at you? Or I'm just going to interrupt you right here, yeah. Carlos. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, no, I, I, I agree. And the thing that comes to mind is that, you know, we're we're all we're all handicapped in some way at any given time, you know, amygdala hijack, stress, um, just having a, you know, a, f a funky day, uh, personality disorder, um, just not a nice person, just, you know, didn't know I was looking at you funny, you know, just was thinking about something entirely different. I mean, like you said, compassion. Um, and um, you know, we're, we're not perfect human beings. We are flawed. We, and, and I don't mean flawed as in bad, just, just we're, we're different. Um, so I, the fact, the way that you brought that up, a person with down syndrome or, or anything else, a, a, a dog or a cat or, you know, something that we tend to have more compassion automatically to, you're right. It, it makes sense to extend that to us, to all of us, because the assumption is that that person is perfect. They should know better. Well, they don't in that moment, any number of things can be happening. And what I love about your approach, Satch, is um, 
that my definition of shame um, that I've come to right now, as you so well said, um, is um, the relinquishing of the need to shame mm. the person for having wounded us. Um, it's almost like that's what is necessary for a, for me anyway to release the to release my resentment mm. or to release the emotion <clears throat> the 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 root of that boil that will continue to produce if I'm if I don't clean that out mm-hmm. you know so um, and I know that if I have released and it's maybe a litmus test too that if I have released the need to to shame them in some way. Um, you know, by the snide remarks or, you know, just the holding of the distrust or whatever it might be, then I'll know that I have, re- that I have actually forgiven them. Because in releasing them of that, I'm also releasing myself uh, from feeling the shame around, like, for instance, um, feeling like a ninny for having allowed something to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Um, so again, it, for me, it comes back to the shame, the you know the root feeling of of anger or mm-hmm. um, resentment or frustration or uh, any anything like that. So what what feeling or how does uh, it occur where you where you get to that point where you can relinquish the need to shame another? What drives that? Uh, looking at one's own shame. I mean, we have to start here, you know, um, because we don't know what has gone into the actions of another. Really, we don't. We don't have that entire recipe. Um, so first, if, for me, it's about acknowledging that there is shame somewhere deep down, mm. deep, deep, deep down underneath <clears throat> it. Even if it's dressed up in a lot of other things, it feels just, you know, completely justified. Um, to find what, ex- where exactly, what exactly I'm ashamed of. You know, what is it, what do I think it's saying about me, you know, and, and get to that. And if I can work on that, if, that's the healing point. That's ground zero right there. That's where the bomb explodes, you know, and if I can work on that, then in a sense, working on that automatically ends up releasing my desire and need to shame them and to make them wrong and therefore me right, mm. you know. Um, to relinquish my responsibility for what has occurred, for my part, my capacity to heal myself. You know, um, so much of blame is really just about diverting the responsibility of, of looking inside. Right? Does that um, does that indicate that um, compassion arises from once you release that? That need? Yeah, I think, well, for me anyway, um, I think finally getting to the place where we can admit that there's shame. Um, and as, as we've said, sometimes it's, it's, it's shame that we've made up, you know, or it has nothing really to do with us. It's shame we've taken on somehow. So, um, so for me, um, the topic of shame in my life has come up for a lot of different reasons. And one of the biggest reasons has been around sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so really getting deep down into um, why I may feel angry for something entirely different 
may very well often does come down to what's the original thing I'm ashamed of. Mm, yeah. um, and the original thing that I am ashamed of is that my dad, my father, um, pretty much abandoned us, my mom and I, when I was three. And, um, and so I have shame around not being good enough. And no matter how healthy I get and how, you know, gregarious I am and how, you know, successful I might become, there's always going to be that original wound that at any given time can cause, can create the illusion of shame throughout any number of, of situations. Um, and then, of course, you know, um, you take that shame into other experiences that, that we have as we grow up, whether it's sexual abuse or incest or any number of things, mm. um, you know, and you build on that. But all of those things are just capitalizing on that, on, on something that's quite old and quite original and didn't really start with me, Right. So once we, so bringing compassion into the, the picture in recognizing something that old and um, that impersonal, really, one can then have imp com more compassion for your, you know, I can have more compassion for myself, right? right? And realizing that the feeling that I have of unforgiveness or the desire to shame someone else over something that is so entirely unrelated, and yet I have related it somehow to that first thing without realizing it. Mm. So, um, so that's why I say it's so important to go deep into our own measures of shame and to recognize that we have it. And shame, there's, no, it's, there's no reason to be ashamed of the fact that we have shame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, it's like being depressed over being depressed. If you add that other layer, it's just like, why? Why bother? You know, you're already depressed. Carlos and I like Dr. Mario Martinez, and he had some interesting things to say about shame. He said that um, shame is one of, you know, one of those devastating emotions in the body. And he described it as being hot, as being inflammatory. So shame is, is an inflammatory emotion. Fear is kind of a, a freezing, isolating, cold cold emotion and shame is inflammatory because you know we do blush and we do feel hot and we can all sort of intuitively understand that there is an inflammatory aspect to to that emotion of shame when we mm -hmm. feel it in ourselves um uh, and you know shame is one of those things that first of all can last a really long time right it's one of those things, some of our our earliest negative memories are shame-based memories, right? We, we tend to go back to images from childhood because it's still burning. It's still smoldering. You know, it's like the, a forest fire where the, the roots catch on fire and it's still smoldering for like months and months under the soil, you know, and then later on some other part of the forest catches on fire when it comes up, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I think mm -hmm. even though shame is inflammatory in nature, uh, it's also important to remember that um, inflammation in a very real sense, I'm talking about like actual inflammation in a person's body is necessary for healing, right? We don't heal very well without inflammation. And I'm always reminded of a time when I was in China where 
they were talking about how they were, I was at an orthopedic hospital and they were taking patients that had non-healing fractures that had gone on a long time and they're not healing and they'd tried to do surgery and they, these fractures wouldn't heal. They would just simply get some staphylococcus bacteria and they'd kill it and then inject the dead bacteria into the fracture site to generate inflammation so to bring the immune system in there to heal it. Right? It's like prolotherapy. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a lot like, yeah, a like form prolotherapy. Of prolotherapy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and it was very effective and it caused most of these fractures to start to heal, right? Because they weren't healing. So from an emotional perspective, something in us, in our, our psyche and our spirit is, you know, damaged, broken, you know, and, and there's an inflammatory response. And um, we often want that infl inflammatory response to go away because inflammation yeah. is bad, 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 yeah. right? And shame is, is all about bad, right? And... Um, really, um, I think there's some value in everybody mm. understanding that, ah, this inflammation of shame, this fire that's happening in me that I'm, I'm experiencing as shame is my higher self, my higher self's immune system coming in and trying to point things out and to fix things. And yeah, it can be painful and cause swelling and, you know, mm. <laughs> swollen egos and all kinds of things that happen, you know, but, uh, um, uh, inflammation is just a sign. It's a symptom. It's not, it's not bad. It's just a symptom. Yeah. That, that resonates a lot with, um, my experience working with people in a, in a coaching space, you know, um, because you're there to transform feelings and transform their experience. But, um, often the idea is that this is a bad thing. Like you say, like, this is bad that I have these feelings. And for a long time I've had this, um, maybe a, a theory or whatever, a, an idea that I work with, which is if we trust the unconscious mind, if we trust the deepest part of our unconscious mind, but we're simultaneously talking about our subconscious doing stuff, that's not good, right? We talk about, uh, you know, I didn't do this consciously. It's just unconscious habit I have that's doing all this bad stuff or I'm attracting the wrong partners or I'm um, doing this bad activity that's dangerous for me or whatever it is. But I, although this may not be actually true, it seems like there's a surface and then if you go deeper, that there's this thing underneath. And if you trust that that genius is in there, maybe the thing that you're seeing is it's pushing it out. Mm -hmm. Like what you're witnessing as a bad experience or a bad habit or a series of bad relationships or whatever, that the deep mind is putting that in front of you so that you get so uncomfortable that you have to deal with it. If you have that idea of trust than what it is you're you're really seeking when you're working to facilitate healing is to get people to uh respect an even deeper place inside of them than the part of them that's that's experiencing the negativity and by doing that regularly you're 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 working with the psychic immune system you know the emotional immune system and you're getting that to be encouraged to be more resilient because resilience is ultimately what you want because you can't control the outside world but you can certainly um, do a lot with your inside world. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, I like that a lot. That that really resonates with me too. In my experience, mm -hmm. working with clients that have more you know physical conditions, because you know Chinese medicine says that almost all conditions are caused by what what they if you translate into English it would be affect damage. Mm. So damage caused by. Um, uh, your emotions, basically, you mm -hmm. know, emotional damage, you know, they, it's funny enough that they, they consider things like food 
to be um, uh, like an exterior cause of illness. Hmm. You know, but most illnesses are caused by, by emotions, you know, by damage from the seven emotions. And, um, well, gosh, you know, I, I love what you're talking about because it's almost like, uh, how do you know there's a splinter in your skin if it doesn't fester a little bit? Yeah, you, create you some need, pain, you know. You, that discomfort helps you to do something about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, um, and it brought so, you to the doctor's office or to the, you know, coaching office or wherever it is you go. Yeah, know, right. To right. the mountain, <laughs> <laughs> to the cave. Yeah, it affirms for me that dealing with something that is showing up as it's showing up mm. is is the doorway in. One of the reasons I work with divorce, and I don't know if I mentioned this in the last one, but um, I don't really care about the divorce. To me, it's a prime opportunity to address certain issues that are coming up as a result of the new circumstance that is the, the divorce uh, um, that has probably come up many times before. Um, and in going through the breakup, which is taxing in every possible way, um, setting an intention for how we want to move through this um, and understanding how we want to behave through this and then trickling that, you know, going deeper into what will it take for us to be able to behave in this way and practice it through this situation um, so that by the end of it, we've actually built muscles around what it takes to be the kind of person that I can then look back on and be proud of. It's, we're so much more, our, our progress, our evolution is so much more effective when we do, like you said, look, look at what's showing up right now and, and, and use that as the doorway. When you were speaking earlier about shame, it reminded me of this idea that I had heard, um, I think John Morgan, he, he may or may not who he is, but he's an interesting fellow. He wrote something on Facebook and it was all about self-hatred mm. and at the end my first reaction was no I don't feel that and and then I realized wait a minute like within a second mm -hmm. I'm like there's something inside of this that triggered me and I realized it was self-hatred <laughs> you know what I mean it's like self-loathing like oh and it, it was simple stuff, really simple stuff like um, when you forget something ah shoot you know I, I should have you know, you should all over yourself, right? That's kind of... Yeah. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be fun if, um, you know, we could train ourselves to um, speak like, uh, you know, like some kind of British, you know, uh, nature documentary uh, voiceover. <laughs> it says, and there it is, shaming itself yeah. for forgetting something naturally. Yeah. You know, interesting how it walks back into the office to go retrieve the cell phone after it got all the way to the van, which actually happened to me today. And I did the same <laughs> doggone thing, right? I'm like... Oh, my phone. Yeah. You know, and then I started walking back and I was kind of getting on myself, you know, and then, I, and then I started thinking differently about how, you know, maybe I was safe from an accident or maybe I was, you know what I mean? I should have done, you know, but, but. You reframed it. Yeah. I like the, the David Attenborough documentary. Thing. Love That's it. That's brilliant. Love it. I love yeah. that. We could right. just install that. It would, it would we'll certainly. Just do that. Yeah. There must be an app change things. or something, you know. There's, an, there's an app for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Self-shaming, self-loathing, self-hatred, all that stuff. Um, you know, what if we loved ourselves, had compassion for ourselves, understood that at a deepest possible level, and how might that affect how we treat others? Yeah, and, and to piggyback on that, what if 
the self-loathing, shaming, self-hatred is an opportunity to love ourselves. Yeah. Because we can't really do much about our brain. Our mind is geared to look for the funky stuff, you know, what's the danger, what's wrong, what's happening, you know? And so I almost don't want to shame myself for having a perfectly normal brain Mm -hmm. that does that. But my response is then um, it's an opportunity to recognize the animal part of me, the primitive part of me that does that, and to adore that, and to recognize that it's also out of its league in this particular situation, um, and to have compassion around that, and to not shame my animal for that, Mm -hmm. you know? That's right. I remember from our first episode we did... Yeah, and I've loved when you talked about, you know, your body's your first pet. Yeah. yeah. And there you are, treating your pet nicely. <laughs> yeah. Because we love pets. Beetling is kind to animals. Our body is our first pet. Take care of it. Struggle, release, flow, 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 flow. Take care of it, take care of it. Peterlin, this has been really interesting. All the stuff that we talk about with you is goes deep. And I know you've got volumes and volumes and universes and universes within universes uh, to explore. What are you working on currently that's mm, intriguing, important, uh, that you'd like to share? I'm very excited to sort of figure out how to bring all of this brain noodling, you know, uh-huh. to, to others. Um, and... I'm particularly partial to women who see themselves as being strong, see themselves as being high achieving, see themselves as being um, different than other women, typically. And my sense is that, like everybody else, they deal with their own brand of shame. And it's buried even deeper because they don't allow themselves to ever go there. And I believe that the topic of forgiveness and, um, and shame requires a tremendous amount of courage yeah. and inner strength and a good hefty pair of balls, whether <laughs> yeah. you wear them on the inside or the outside. And I think of human beings like that as being true warriors. So to answer your question, I am working on an online program right now that I'm really, really excited about. And I'm not quite sure how it's going to turn out, but uh, because it's the first time I put anything online um, that is um, called Meet Your Amazon. Ah. And, um, and so I'm doing a lot of research right now on actual, true, red-blooded Amazons through history, tribes of Amazons and so on, Scythian Amazons, African and, uh, and, and such. And because there, there's more and more evidence of them out there and things that have been buried the warrior women. Um, warrior mm. women, yeah. yeah. Huntresses, yeah. Um, you know, guardians of the kings, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, what I love about these kinds of women is that their range is so, is so broad. You know, they, they can take on that, that, that fire, the, the capacity to hunt, the capacity to protect, the capacity to kill if they need to. And they can nurture and, and, and love and as well, so their range to me is is admirable, um, and I feel like that range is so often um, stifled for a number of reasons, or or they feel like it is, you know, and so they tend they tend to be more covert about their strength and mm. their and their brawn, if you will, their natural internal brawn. 
So the program is to find some way, some in to help women like us to deal with their shame so that they no longer feel the constraint to whatever extent they they do um, to play by anyone else's rules, you know, and to find one another. Mm. I think I think the isolation, they often feel like islands and the isolation mm. is what I mean, I just I, I truly I, and I have a little fantasy. It's like, what if we got so many of these women together? Yeah. I mean, oh, my God, you know, find yeah. our own island, you know, yeah. what could we do? <laughs> and um, and then I hear this voice in my head, you know, the Dalai Lama said it will take the Western woman to to change the world. And it's just like it'll take it'll take the Amazon woman to change the world, the, you know, the woman. And I don't just mean women, but human beings beings um, as exemplified in these women who 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 give full expression to their range unapologetically no apologies no yeah. apologies yeah. Yeah. yeah this has been really good great conversation Very good. Um, thank you both thank you you've been listening to the authenticity show with your hosts Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell very special thanks to our guest, Petalin Albert. If you'd like to get in touch with Petalin, you can find her website at heartfueled.com, or you can also find her at thenlpadvantage.com. This show was produced by Oliver Altine. That's me. Our theme song, which you're listening to right now, was composed, recorded, and performed by Oliver Altine, and that's me again. Yep, I wear a lot of hats around here. Please subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts and find us on social media. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And you can find our website at authenticityshow.com. Thanks for listening and have an authentic day. Authenticity.